please don't cancel me. Today, we are going to be talking about the interesting... Uh, we, we, we're going to talk about it as both a new phenomenon that has been around for as long as humans. Uh, we're going to be talking about cancel culture. I've got Drew Moss in our, from our college ministry here at Sunnybrook and Justin Ebert uh, from, our, uh, from our youth ministry. And the three of us are going to be sitting in our studio today just discussing what is cancel culture. You've probably heard a lot about it recently. Uh, what are its roots? What is it trying to accomplish? But ultimately, what does the Bible teach about how we talk about sin and the ultimate purpose that we actually have as uh, ambassadors of, of God, as people who have received grace? How do we approach cancel culture in a way that is redemptive and restoring? I hope you enjoyed the podcast. So how uh, aware are you, um, I don't want to say nervous, about saying something that is going to be misconstrued and you're going to find people uh, upset or you're going to find people, uh, you know, in our, we use the phrase like calling you out or deeply offended by like how, how much of when you're speaking um, or writing or tweeting, um, are you conscious of just the scrutiny that's happening right now in our, in our culture? True. Uh, that's a, that's a yeah. I, I, as you were initially asking the question, I was thinking, really, I'm not very much because I don't put anything on social. I don't really. I have Facebook to follow some things. I don't post anything. I've deleted Twitter, all that stuff. <laughs> so I don't have too many things to get stuff out that like people can be angry about. But then the more you talk about, it, the more I thought about recorded sermons uh, and and lessons and stuff. Um, that stuff I don't think about a ton, but every now and then when I pause and and go, you know, I mean, there's some things that we'll teach from the scriptures that can come back and and bite us. You know, uh, I remember teaching a class at a a camp several years ago, and I was talking about uh, same sex relationships and what the Bible says about that. And a kid pulled out his phone and started recording <laughs> my whole class. And there's no way to not be thinking about that while you're teaching that, that in the back of your mind, you're going, what is that kid doing? Why is this, is this streaming right now? Yeah, is exactly. this, you know what I mean? Yeah. All of those yeah. things. Where and is so this that's, going? Yeah. 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 No, it's, it, I used to have when I, when I would be somewhere at either at a conference or, you know, teaching a class, I would say, Hey, do you mind if I record this? And I always remember going, sure. Yeah. would love for you to have it. Yeah. And now it's a little bit more like, um, okay, Justin, what, what about you? Uh, how, how conscious are you of, of, of just all of that that comes with it? I'm conscious to know enough to know that I canceled myself on all social media before anyone else could. <laughs> so just before we get there, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to beat you to it. I'm canceling myself. Um, <laughs> One step ahead of you. Very aware of when I'm being recorded or not, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'm pretty conscious with that. Just okay. being just different. I mean, even in like our hallway conversation, yeah. it, there just really is a sense in which we've already seen down the road of other places or that are probably farther than us on what hate speech is. Yeah. Kind of that line continuing to creep toward things that we say and teach. And so, I, right, I mean, I remember talking with Ryan Vincent, him saying, when do we stop recording sermons? Yeah. Because that's probably going to happen in our, our lifetime. Yeah. That's not a wise thing to do anymore. Yeah, and it's interesting that, um, I don't remember what year it was, but um, might have been right after the fallout from Mars Hill, 
uh, Matt Chandler and their people. I don't think they were trying to necessarily cover things up, but it's just a matter of things being taken out of context yeah. or even in, in their his And what they mean by that is ju- not just a soundbite, but literally like, you know, the, the conversation that you're having, Drew, uh, at a particular conference during a particular time in a particular place. Mm-hmm. Um, for us to take that out and then put it in another time or in another place literally can be, you know, deemed inappropriate yeah. or, or downright offensive or yeah. depending upon. So who heard you say this? And <clears throat> when you don't take it all kind of together, it can really get complicated. Yeah. So. And it, <clears throat> you talk about Mark Driscoll. There are things that he would say, yeah, it made sense for my context. Yeah. And you rip it out and want to say it in yours. It doesn't might not make sense. And yeah, he's an interesting one to think about, especially with that podcast, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. His is this mix of a lot of people didn't like him. And then things came out where he's doing things that are inappropriate and sinful. And where is that line? Yeah. of It actually is appropriate to put these things in place. You know? So what we're going to what we're, what we're actually wanting to address here is, you know, the, the, the phrase that has become very, very popular. Uh, and I want to talk not just about what we might describe as this more modern phenomenon, but just kind of how really it's not modern. It's not, it's not new, but uh, kind of the catchphrase that we're hearing a lot about is just cancel culture. And that's what we want to kind of talk about uh, today, but we really want to kind of address it from a number of different perspectives. What should be our attitude about it? What should be um, uh, our response to it? How do we uh, recognize how it's, it's been around for a really, really, really long time. What are some of the benefits and what are some of the pitfalls of it? Um, so I want to begin kind of with a with a with a definition of it, and then I guess maybe decide whether or not we agree with that definition, or what we might want to kind of come alongside and maybe change a few things. So um, the definition I want to use for for this conversation is that cancel culture is the phenomenon of promoting the canceling of people, brands, and even shows or movies due to what some consider to be offensive or problematic remarks or ideologies. So that's kind of a somewhat of a broad. Uh, a, a broad approach to it. And when I was actually doing some research for this, I, th- I found it very interesting how it was, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a big phrase that people are using on the right, that cancel culture is terrible. Um, and then I, I picked up a couple of articles that were kind of more left-leaning, and they were describing how the right is using it as a weapon, the weaponization of cancel culture to, to kind of to, to control the conversation. So the whole bigger narrative about, um, about how we even use language as a weapon I think becomes a becomes a big deal, and so one of the things that kind of gets wrapped up on this is free speech and what I what I have the right to say. Which, to be honest with you, that's I don't know if I really care about that per se. I'm grateful for it, sure, but I'm really not trying to argue it from a do I have the right constitutional? To say. Yeah, it's 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 really not a constitutional constitutional issue, as much as it is a kind uh, of kind of what we, what should be our our Christian slash biblical response. To what is being described. So, first of all, in terms of the definition, um, anything you guys would want to uh, to adjust or to modify, Drew? Um, I'm trying. I'm actually trying to look again. Okay, we ready? Good, Steve. I think actually, I think I would agree with most of that. Is I was just kind of thinking back through, and I think the idea of like brands 
and huh. shows and TVs has been that's been something that's kind of been for a while the yep. boycotting of yep. things yep. and stuff yep. like yep. that yep. but yep. Um, I don't want I'm not going to say I mean we'll talk a little bit more about it I'm not going to say that the idea of canceling people is new but it does <laughs> seem to be more prominent yeah. now yep. in and I think that's because of like uh, social media stuff like before like Drew Moss as a person would never be big enough to cancel like you know, most people would never even know you could know if I owned a company um, my company could get boycotted or canceled, right? But but now it's what what I think is a more recent phenomenon is that um, your average Joe Schmo from anywhere has a voice big enough to be noticed sure. and to get and then to for people to kind of come after for those things, which just seems to be fairly new. Yeah. Except yeah. for the con, like the personal level could have been you're part of this party or religious group and we're going to kill you. Like the version of yes. canceling for people was you're going to get killed because we think you're a witch or we think you're yeah. somebody during the post-Reformation era who you held the wrong theological beliefs and therefore it's time for you to die. Yeah, or right? even just or even just social ostracization, like just even just being ostracized without killing, but yeah. like to shun yep. people, yep. like yep. that yep. idea, yep. the shunning yep. and like kicking people out and stuff. But it would have been a community of people, a circle, someone yep. in Oregon isn't able to cancel me, Unaware. isn't able to yeah. shun me yeah, they because they don't be even know. Yeah, right. But now that's that's a thing. Now yeah. Yeah. I can be I can be known and therefore um, canceled or shunned or whatever from from all across the globe. You know what I mean? Which is kind of crazy. So why is everybody talking about this right now? Like Justin, if you were to say like you know why is this conversation just kind of r- really come up? You you almost can't read uh, an article. Um, very you know, in a particular news source that I go to, um, it it just seems like. Uh, there's a lot of conversations that are happening right now about the problems with cancel culture, editorial papers that are that are being written um, about about the dangers and the problems and the pitfalls and all of that. So tell me what's what's caused this? Like what's going on? Because it's so popular on social media, which is where so many of us, so many of us are are in that daily yeah. for many hours. Like yeah. most, I mean, the statistics are pretty staggering of how much and how many people spend their hours on social media it's so prevalent there that now the the media sources are starting to pick up on its effect so it's not just conservative media outlets that are saying this is bad and wrong it's not it's now liberal sure, I, sure. I remember reading today some cnn articles where you now this there are some negative side effects to cancel culture so both are recognizing there's negative things and then within the personal realm of social media everyone's kind of doing it so it's not it's not just a left thing it's not a right thing everyone's participating in it everyone's recognizing i think there's some dangers to it and one of the reasons i think it's so prevalent is because we've always done it now it has like a label yeah and the labels kind of catch um they trend let's use social media term they trend in our thought in our conversation and everyone has an opinion on it and we're really good at pointing out the flaws of yeah. your of what you cancel yep. and not realizing what i cancel and so it just becomes a big dividing line a hot button issue that it seems like the narrative recently has been, you know, people who are not conservatives, they cancel things. That's wrong. We need to be freedom of speech yep. without being able to look at your own. Yep. And then liberals saying, well, you've been doing it, too. And it, it just becomes another thing yeah, where we're pointing calling. the finger across the table yeah. and name calling. Drew, uh, you know, what else do you think is kind of behind 
maybe the the phenomenon. Any other thoughts that you want to add? Oh, yeah, I was going to jump on. It feels sometimes we it feels like our answer to a lot of things is social media stuff, but it really does. That makes it feel ever present um, because it can be everywhere uh, all the time. Um, I you know I've been thinking, trying to think through. I think we all have, everyone has inside of them uh, this sense of morality and right sure, and wrong. It's sure. one of like, it's, it's to me one of like the, it's my second favorite argument for the existence of God yep, yep, yep. Uh, behind the resurrection is the idea that everyone, no one can shake this idea yeah. that there is right and there is wrong and there are some things I ought to do and some things I ought not to do. And, um, it feels like the internet has become a place where it's just we live so much of our lives on it. Yep, yep. And so one of the ways I think that if people really think to, to do right, to do justice and live rightly is, is the place where I spend so much of my time, yeah, the internet. Yeah, and so yeah, like that's yeah. a way for a lot of people, I really believe, feel like this is how I am doing good things, yeah. is I am calling out injustice when i see it i'm yeah, calling out yeah. prog- problematic things when i see it yeah, i'm calling yeah. out and it is a way of like feeling like i'm doing my duty as a human being yeah and and so it's just again in a world where we are much less embodied with one another where we're just yep. not interacting with people face to face as much because i'm able to interact with someone in oregon or yep. in yep. cambodia or whatever you know what i mean then the way that i can also be a good person a lot of times yep. is yep. by just calling things out online and on the internet. It's so. interesting, you know, the, uh, Jesus talks about the, um, the the religious establishment and their desire to demonstrate their righteousness before before others. And he talks about that, you know, when you pray, when you fast, when you give. Like, there just is this, this natural human tendency to want to demonstrate righteousness. And I think that's kind of what's happening, is that there really is. It's a, it's a natural way. I want to demonstrate that I am a good person. I want to demonstrate that I'm whatever, however you want to see it. I'm right with God. Uh, and, and so you've got that on the, on the Christian side or on the religious side, and then you've got it on the secular side. So mm-hmm. this is my way of doing it. I was reading a study recently that actually said, fascinatingly, that those who are the most involved in social media are also the least involved in terms of societally. Wow. So they're, they're, they're because of what you just said, and I thought that was really interesting. They think they've done their part because they've spoken out against it mm-hmm. on their Facebook or Twitter page. Um, they think they have demonstrated they took a picture of something good that they were actually um, or something they were they would re I, I don't know how Instagram works, but they would kind of, I guess, show what somebody else is showing. Can you re share What is it? Regram it. Retram it. I don't even it's know. It's regram. It's definitely regram. regram. Okay. That's I think what I, is the regram. word. Uh, yeah. To what? Regram? No, it's regram. <laughs> let's not be crazy. Okay, let's not be crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm, what I'm talking about. Anyway, but they would just, they would literally, however however you want to do it, but they would actually talk about like their good deed was um, retweeting. I'll use that one. I know yeah. that world. Um, they were retweeting what somebody else had said. Yeah. And that was like their pat on the back. Like, hey, look their what support. I did. Look how I, yeah, their support, their help. And so I think that's very, very interesting is that it is a sign of do goodness. Mm-hmm. And so. And uh, on the flip side, it's also perceived as like to to not do yeah. it. It's not just Silence like a neutral, is it's not just a neutral thing, yeah. but it really is like I did a bad thing by not. By not I, I mean, something. this personally is what what kind of first initially led me kind of to stop posting things and everything is I. I, fe- I found myself feeling this pressure 
to have an opinion on everything <laughs> and the right opinion and to make on it public. And, yeah. yeah, and the yeah. right opinion because if I'm not, then or if I'm only posting on this, but I'm not posting about this idea, yeah. then yeah. Yeah. why why didn't you say anything about this? Why you know? and I was just like, man, I felt my I felt the anxiety yeah. of that yeah. of like yeah. this need to post and and have an opinion on things well, in order to do the right thing. Yeah, it's social pressure. It's tribal pressure. I mean, think about what it means to step out outside of what your group is thinking and believing. If you, if the people that you want to associate yourself yeah, with yeah, are yeah. going one way and you're not in agreement, that's tough. I mean, it's tough to go against your tribe, to go against the flow of the people that you value and you see yourself associating with and to not do what they're doing. That can be really hard. So you're saying if there's a social media pressure which I think is probably boiled down to this tribal pressure because the people that follow you and that you follow mostly are people that you're that going the same, same yeah. way with. And so if, if Jim starts saying, hey, we need to all cancel Netflix because this show that they just put on there is, is too far for us, and so we as Christians need to stop supporting Netflix – then it's going to be hard for you to be like, but I really like Downton Abbey, and I want to watch Downton Abbey. Oh, why, why, me. why Downton? Why for me is the example Downton Abbey? Okay, Drew, Justin, do you why? do you watch? I have watched every episode of oh Downton Abbey. Word. Yes, but I did that oh because my. my wife likes Downton Abbey. I was watching with my wife. I've never watched a Downton Abbey episode by myself. Okay, I have never watched a Downton Abbey episode. Is that what's called Downton Abbey? Downtown, yes. downtown Abbey. Downtown Abbey. Abbey. Downtown. I've never seen a Downtown <laughs> Abbey episode. I have seen parts of them, but what you were describing with you and Amy watching them, it's the opposite. I would, I would literally sit down, Andrew would be watching it already, and then I would start making comments, and she would say, she'd pause it, and she would literally say, you need to leave the room now. <laughs> um, and so I literally said, what? That's as I always say to her when she yeah. says, you need to leave the room now. Uh -huh. I'm like, what? And she said, don't, no, no, we're not doing this. We're, we're literally not doing this. I don't need you sitting here and making, now here'd be my interpretation. Uh -huh. I don't need you making intelligent critiques of the show that I'm trying to enjoy. Uh -huh. That's what I thought. That's what I felt like she was in my, in my heart. Uh -huh. I felt that's what she was saying. But she probably used different words. She canceled you in that she, moment. Oh, she, she did. <laughs> she literally, my wife canceled me as I was trying to just go, you really, you don't want to like think through this while we're watching? Oh, it's not one of those shows. Okay, no, just check it. And I have those shows too, right? I, so it's not like I don't have those shows. Okay, so um, here's the, it, it seems to revolve around these two ideas. And this is what I think is very interesting. Before we just overreact to something, right? Why don't we try to say, okay, what are, what are they trying to do? And I also think it's fascinating. The, if I've learned anything from living in the 80s, 90s, and then the generations after that, or the decades after that, is that it's fascinating how in, in my little world, how conservative and liberals on different topics uh, uh, respond in the exact same way of, as the other person while they're critiquing them on a different one. How dare you do X or respond with Y? Um, and then literally when the topic changes, the opposite mm -hmm. group does the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's more about the methodology, right? So uh, yes, we're all moral and there are things that are offensive. And so how do we respond to it? So these are the two big ideas that seems to revolve around cancel culture. They seem to be wanting to provide a level of accountability. Mm -hmm. Somebody said something. Uh, somebody did something. And I do think we should hold them accountable. And so I want to talk a little bit about accountability. So what do you guys think about, like, just the value and the importance before we just 
Uh, and, and I don't even know if I want to throw it under the bus. As I've heard about it, I'm like, man, I don't want to be canceled. But I think it's not a bad thing to cancel, again, certain things. Mm-hmm. So I'm not against the idea of it. I just don't want it to happen to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, yeah. is, is, is truly my concern. So on the issue of accountability, you know, what can we, what, what can we appreciate, I guess? Yeah, real quick, I'm just thinking on the side. You read, you were reading this thing. We were talking about this uh, yesterday or something, and, and you were reading a thing that said, like, is canceling, is that punishing or yes. holding people accountable? accountable. Was that, yeah, because yeah, the, the other terms? thing is punishment, right? Yeah, so, the, yeah. the, so the two things are it's a holding of accountability by, by uh, in, uh, imposing upon them consequences or punishment. For yeah. what they said. So those yeah. are the two things, accountability yeah. and punishment. And it was like, it was something like 75% of those on the left see it as holding accountable. Yes. 25% of those on the right say, no, this is just punishment. Yes. You're just punishing people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we yeah. were talking, I was talking about how I, I really think 20 years ago, those two, those numbers would have been flipped. Yes. And that 75% on the right would have said, no, we're holding them accountable. accountable. We're holding Kmart. This is the one I remember. Do you remember this back in the early 90s? Yes. The boycott of Kmart yes. for yes. being connected yes. with Walden Book and yes, selling yes. Uh, pornography, pornography in there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, we're holding Kmart accountable, accountable. and they can stop anytime they want, and yep. we'll stop the boycott. Yes. Um, we're not canceling them. We're boycotting yes, them. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and so I really think it's a matter of who's winning, yes, right? Who yes. And right now, it feels like, at least online, definitely, but in a lot of ways, the left side is kind of, I'm putting this in quotations, winning the culture, right? Yeah, they have yeah, kind of the yeah, dominant yeah, view. Yeah, yeah. And so and so the left thinks, now we're just holding accountable. Whereas the right goes, now you're just unnecessarily punishing. But but 20 years ago, those sure. the, the right would have said that. And and so it really is interesting. But. Well, and I think one of the comments in, in one of our prep conversations for uh, for this podcast, you, you kind of described what happened to Ellen DeGeneres, not on her show that she has now, yeah. but on her previous show. Yeah. When she came out uh, as, a, as a lesbian... Um, man, it just it was a it was a firestorm. Yes, and I, I guess I don't remember her having to cancel the show for that. But is that what happened? Yeah, it basically did. From what I remember, it basically yeah. it shut it down yeah. pretty soon after that. Yeah. yeah, and so and again, I remember there being somewhat of an outcry on both sides. Like, hey, how dare we do this to her? Mm-hmm. And then the other side was, no, we don't agree with this, and so we're not going to watch it. And so that's the part that I find fascinating. Yep, is that truly whether you want to look at the Clinton presidency or you want look at the trump presidency uh you have different people making almost the same arguments mm-hmm. um about the situation but depending upon which position you want to have mm-hmm. um they're they they operate in the same way they're using a lot of the same logic they're even coming to the same conclusions except it's about totally opposite people well, think, and I, mean, I find that to be so uh, when i say interesting what i mean by that is not just kind of sitting back objectively and going isn't that fascinating but i mean um it, it, to me it's more insightful in terms of where there might even be some value in this mm-hmm. and where there's going to naturally be some disagreement in this but maybe we shouldn't overreact about like what is being done but maybe we should still disagree with whether or not we do it in the right way or uh i, I guess you know i want to talk a little bit about the way out but still on the issues of accountability and maybe we can add the concept of consequences and punishment mm-hmm. justin well i mean think about that subject in particular i think it's a great case study the ellen degeneres i mean her show gets canceled and maybe by conservatives because she comes out as homosexual Um, but recently her newest show is getting canceled because of her sexual misconduct toward employees I don't know if you've heard. Well, it wasn't that. sexual. Not it was sexual, just like just misconduct, just abuse, bullying, bullying. Not bullying. Okay. Bullying. the bullying. Um, yeah, racially aware. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's where's the line, and when do you get canceled? Because that's always the question. Mm-hmm. 
we, we kind of, if, if we're thinking people, we can all recognize we have a morality and all of us are drawing the line somewhere. Right? We just, we don't know who's drawing the line yeah. and yeah. culture yeah. is always changing where that line is. Okay. Cause if, if I wonder if the people who are now frustrated, at Ellen would have been frustrated with her then if they knew what they know now. Yeah. Okay. And then there wouldn't be as much of an outcry then. Yeah. Um, think about like pornography. Okay. People who love to talk about sexual freedom and sexual expression and those types of things and the realities of the pornography industry of how it truly denigrates women and is abusive toward people and objectifies humans. It straight abuses people and how we would say that's there's there's no good in that like that's not yeah. something that can be redeemed yeah, yeah. and and on the same side you have people who want to say you should be able to sexually express yourself however you want and so if you want to look at pornography that's totally fine at the same time they're frustrated with us that we would say hey this is how the bible promotes sex between a man and a woman in a marriage relationship yeah, yeah. and so it's just the irony of two sides being frustrated drawing lines just at different places yeah and who gets to draw the line where the moral argument goes back to we believe that there is someone who gets to draw that line it's not us it's not me it's not our culture it's something outside of ourselves it's something outside of time even it's it's the one who created all these things i, I think about there's a there's a <clears throat> have you guys heard of mash the tv show Watched heard it a lot. It. You heard of, yeah. heard of it, it yeah. Way before oh, yeah. your time. Yeah. So you know, it's the I, same guys who did Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, oh. it's basically a version of Downton Abbey trying to project the political no. and the times of the Vietnam War yes. upon the Korean War. Got so it. Yeah. in so English pretty much a, a shot for shot remake. It's shot for <laughs> shot remake. Yeah, exactly. But there, there was a there was an episode that I'll never forget where um, Margaret Houlihan is being grilled because she is being asked to give names of communist sympathizers. So it basically is kind of dealing with uh, what was happening in the fifties in America by trying to understand who is a communist and you should out your friends. Mm -hmm. So, and and you could just kind of get like this this moral outrage. Uh, that was being demonstrated through the show, right? All the bad people, Frank and, and uh, somebody else was like, no, you should do this. What's wrong with without communists? Communism is terrible. And then everybody else, you know, uh, the, all, all the other ones, Alan Alda and, and BJ, they were all like, oh, no, we have, to, we have to stand by people's right to have a differing idea. And so I always think about that show, or I just even think about that context that was happening in the 50s. Um, and, and then I listened to, I hear from Christian people saying, you know, my opinions or my attitudes have been kind of outed in Hollywood and they won't listen to me. And I, <laughs> uh, you know, they want to know who kind of shares my idea and I can't get a job anymore because this. And so, again, it's it's one of those really interesting case studies. And it really depends on whether or not you are in agreement with an ideology um, and whether or not someone is trying to cancel you. The problem is just I don't think any of us like to be like to be canceled. Um, and a lot of us don't want to even deal with kind of the natural consequences of being on the wrong side. And when I say the wrong side, I don't mean uh, kind of ultimately, right? I don't mean like uh, ethically right or wrong, but I mean in opposition to culture. We don't want to be on the opposite side of what culture says in terms of the, the feeling of that, right? And I think that's kind of what, what, what's happening. Well, as far as like ethics go, how much of ethics are driven by culture? Yeah. Right. Because most people would say, hey, this is this is the realm of hate speech. This is the realm of things that are unacceptable right now. And if you if you dabble in these things, then you need to have consequences. Yeah. 
Whereas another culture may take those same things and say, no, that's not in that realm. Yeah. Right. And so the ethic is changed in that same. And, and that's what, that's another thing people don't think about. We want to say, Hey, we need to listen to the minority people, yeah. the minority view. Yeah. And we yeah. need to listen to those in countries that aren't our own, unless they disagree with our ideologies. Sure. Right? This is sure. the Methodist church. Hey, we need to listen to the global South theologically because that's the dominant um, people group in the in the church right now, yeah, yeah. and then they hold to a biblical view of marriage and priesthood, and oh well, we're going to not listen to them anymore. Let's create another yeah, denomination, yeah, right? Yeah, no, and that that to me I think is really really fascinating. The same group of in, same group of people wanting diversity and inclusion when it fundamentally hit a, a core issue that they couldn't let go of. They they literally said, okay, I think we're going to have to I think we're going to have to split, which. Which, by the way, um, as much as I don't agree with splitting or division, uh, the Apostle Paul makes a very interesting statement in 1 Corinthians where he recognizes that there needs to be a certain degree of division because that shows maturity and it actually shows health and it actually shows that there's something that is right Mm -hmm. that is going on. And so that is why, as much as I recognize all the dangers that come from cancel culture, I guess I'm, I'm kind of standing up looking around going, haven't we been doing this for a long time? I mean, I, don't think, we I think we're just mad it's happening to us. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, so. Yeah. This is my, so here's my, this is a question I've been just trying to wrestle with uh, over the last day or two and, and want to hear you guys' thoughts. What is the difference between, I, you'll see the tweets sometimes, uh, uh, you know, that, um, you know, for all of those who are mad about cancel culture, hey, just a reminder that evangelicals invented cancel culture <laughs> in the 80s and 90s when they boycotted everything and when they would, you know what I mean, shut down anyone who was not lining up with like their kind of traditional morality and stuff. Um, so what is the difference between A, what what is happening today and what uh, what? The evangelical church did a lot of in the 80s and 90s uh, and canceling Ellen and canceling K- boycotting Kmart and those kinds of things. And to, to kind of another level, what's the difference between that? Some people may say, what's the difference between that and Matthew 18, where Jesus talks about if someone, if, if there's a brother in the church who's sinning and refused to, then you have nothing to do with him. Yeah. Or is it First Corinthians 5? Yeah. Paul talks yeah. about the same yeah. thing. Yeah. A, a expel the immoral is, brother. Yeah, you expel the immoral brother. So how would you guys tease out the difference between, A, kind of the boycotts of the Christian right in the 80s and 90s and today, mm-hmm. and B, the, the biblical mandate to... to um, excommunicate and disfellowship people who who won't hold to biblical standards yeah um i don't think there is much of a difference i really don't like i i don't think there's much of a difference um i think that people who do not appreciate like or agree with other positions or other ideologies or other practices have always practiced shunning and ostracization so um, I think that is just a human response. And so even, you know, I, and, and I know what you mean. We probably, uh, in terms of quote-unquote evangelicals, but I, I think I don't know if we invented it. I yeah, doubt if sure. it came up in the 1960s. Sure. Uh, it's, it's truly like a, almost an eternal response, right? Or a, a, an, an ongoing, as long as there has been humanity, there's been the kind of this response to this. Um, I, I think in, in our world, um, you know, we had, uh, say, maybe even the most clout in the 80s or the 90s, or at least kind of the most col- the, the largest collective voice. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of in what I think what you meant by the inventing of it, right? Yeah. And so that's the part I would say, number one, um, have a sense of humility about it. 
um, and and don't don't hate everything about it. Like you can still disagree. Um, I just I don't know if we can fault them for going. Hey, we don't agree with you, Drew. We don't agree with you on what you think and on how you're acting, and so we're not going to have anything to do with you. It's a little bit like, why are you complaining that they're doing that? Like, yeah. it, it isn't that actually when I say a healthy thing, I think some of these lines that are now hitting closer to home, like as we yeah. see a more divisive culture, um, I can lament um, a piece going away, but in the end, like you've pointed out, there's not much of a difference. The lines are just shifting. The lines have always been there, but the lines are shifting and they're kind of getting closer to home. And I'm finding myself on the outside of a lot of opinions instead of on the inside of a lot of yeah. opinions. And it's it's hurting and it's painful. And I'm kind of going, yeah, get, that's it's 2021 and it's just kind of where things are at right now. Um, I would say some things I think about are wisdom and discernment is something that we're always trying to promote. And so the idea of saying this isn't something we should participate in anymore because of either the explicit content that's in it or the result of what this thing is going to do to us, I think that's called wisdom and discernment. Mm -hmm. And we should still continue to have that. And when we okay, we say that the Bible is authoritative over our life because it is the word of God, how he's revealed himself to us, how he expects us to relate to him and to each other. I mean, when we hold that over us, we we have to use that as the standard, the yep. rule for us. And when things are outside of that, we need to recognize that, help people see that, and give them a way to respond appropriately to the things around them. So that means, I think, two things. Number one, yes, we still hold each other accountable. We still try to point out, like, hey, that thing that you guys are doing and dabbling in, that's really dangerous, church. Like, be careful. Look at what it's doing to us. That's that's part of our role, probably, as a church. Well, and even but, calling for repentance. Yes. Right? So don't just recognize it's dangerous, but no, it's sinful, and we need to repent. Right. Yep. But then on the other side, I, I don't know. I think we do a bad job of expecting non-Christians to live like us. Yeah. Why would we expect the world or the culture to live as the church? Yeah. I, I just I don't see why we think that's an effective tool to try to change your morality before your heart and your mind your, mm-hmm. has been changed by the work of God and the Spirit. And so instead of trying to hold culture to our standards, I almost think it's, hey, let's use this idea, like we said earlier, this recognition we all have a morality, to direct them to the Lord and say, can we all at least recognize we have morality? Can we all recognize that those moralities are different? Who's right? Who's wrong? Who, what should the standard actually be? And try to drive that thing back toward the scriptures, back toward yeah. the Lord. How would but you answer I, your question? Because I, I guarantee you, I mean, you're asking us, but you've been thinking about this. Yeah, I have been thinking about it. Um, and I think that there's my the first example, the difference between what's happening now and what the kind of moral majority in evangelical church did in the 80s and 90s. I don't think there's a whole lot of difference. It's yeah. just like you said, it's just the lines over yeah. what we're fighting yeah. about have yeah. changed, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's a ton of difference there. Um, but the second one, I do think there's difference. The what what the Bible describes as you know church discipline and excommunication, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's different because partly of what Justin's hitting on is this is not something we do 
to the random guy. I'll yeah. just keep saying or- yeah. in Oregon. Yeah. This is this is something that has to do with another brother or sister in Christ sure. that I'm dealing with. So I'm not holding just anybody to that standard yep. and yep. saying you can't live like that or I won't have anything to do with you or anything like that. It's no you can't live like you can't live in unrepentant sin yeah. and continue to act like everything is okay. Yeah. We're going to we're going to treat it like this is not okay. Um, and so the one it's taking place within the fellowship of a church. The other thing is like the goal of this, the goal of church discipline in Matthew 18 is always yeah. to bring that bring person back. back. Um, whereas cancel culture really it's it's forgiveness is a lot of times not on the table. Yes. The whole the yes. whole idea is to just end that person and their career and their whatever whatever amount of remorse they may show, yeah. we're done with you. It's not just accountability. It's a now we need to look at all your work and we need to scrub that yes. from the yes. record. Yes. Right? Well, and that's the part. So the part that I want to end with, um, and I'm, but I want to spend a little bit of time on this. Um, one of the issues that uh, that really made me think, okay, we got to talk about this, was actually I watched a podcast with Joe Rogan and Sam Harris. So a devout atheist, I think maybe probably two devout atheists, actually, um, having this conversation about just uh, cancel culture and what it was actually meaning in their world. Right. So kind of in the in the in, in, in not just Hollywood, but kind of in that in that in that world of famous communicators, famous speakers, um, guys that love sharing their ideas uh, in the in the public square. Both guys who have received canceling. Oh, from yeah. Very, very literally. Years. Yeah. They're they're ready to give up on them because they said A or B. And and, and what I thought was so interesting was as they were describing it, they were just lamenting over there's no way to fix this. There really is no way to, and they had almost this kind of this, this somewhat of a sad and dark darkness to it. And I just thought to myself, huh, like Christians really do have a, a response to this. And so I want you guys to describe just kind of a little bit like, so we, we, we get, we, we get that we're all probably guilty of it. We get that um, there are benefits of it. Accountability is good, and even consequences. Punishment may be a little too strong, but if you mean punishment, meaning just the, 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 the appropriate consequences for the words that I said or the actions that I did. Um, so where, where, where do we see like, the, the Christian redemptive move um, coming out of, I won't say cancel culture, but I will say what, with what the intent that cancel culture is designed to do or, or just that whole process. Like how does the, the church offer like another way of looking at morality and uh, accountability and consequences? Mm. I'll probably get canceled for quoting this person, but one of the paradigms I remember from back in the day, I think interning with you is a guy saying, you know, the world either accepts everything or rejects everything. We're kind of people who we either reject, receive, or redeem it. Those yeah. are kind of our options. Yeah. We reject yeah. it, we receive it, or we redeem it. And that's, again, going back to the wisdom and the discernment piece yeah. of knowing what to do with what? With, sp- like, sports. Let's take sports, for example. Okay? Sports can take a lot of your time. Sports can create a narcissism. Sports can distract you from the ways of the Lord. And if you let that happen and it becomes idolatrous, it should be rejected or it could be redeemed. That's yeah. something that yeah. maybe is a neutral thing that can go either way, depending yeah. on yeah. how you let it shape your heart. Pornography, another example. Can you redeem anything from that or should yeah. it just be rejected? rejected? Yeah. Um, going to Target. <laughs> Going back to your your Kmart, I wasn't aware of the Kmart situation. Target oh, yeah, more no, yeah. is the bathroom thing. Some of you are going, what's Kmart? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
And so that that's kind of the the that was really helpful for me, just trying to have that in the back of my mind, trying to be discerning yeah. of what we can reject, receive, and redeem. Because it, that's the difference between cancel culture and Christian culture. Yes, we do use discernment, but we ultimately hope to redeem things. Yeah, and we believe in a God at, who holds the keys to be able to say this will be canceled. Yeah, this will be done away with. This sin, this death, this destruction, this division, this will be done away with. So we have our leader doing these things in the end. What is our role in that now? I think is where we have to line up. Yeah. Drew, what do you want to, you've got your Bible out, bro. I got my Bible out. Um, well, I was, I read this, I read this line from this writer, uh, earlier. It says, uh, canceling cancel culture mimics and perverts the christian virtue of truthfulness just as secular inclusivism that's tolerance yeah borrowed and subverted the biblical acceptance and love of god for sinners who repent and yeah, so what she's yeah. saying is like tolerance was actually it's rooted in like a biblical idea that we will love people mm-hmm. who are different than us yep. and just twist it into this that means we'll accept all they do yes but canceling is actually rooted in this idea of like we will hold to truthfulness and cast out what is false um, but it's twisted it into this. We will come after you and your children and your, you know what I mean? All this stuff for and, five generations. And yeah, yeah. And, and what I, you know, I was thinking about uh, Galatians six is this brothers and sisters. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual restore such a person yeah. with a gentle spirit watching out for yourself so that you also won't be tempted. Yes. And so the idea of restoring is obviously Paul, Paul's not saying if someone's in wrongdoing, you just go pat them on the back and say, keep at it, man. Mm -hmm. It does mean you go and tell them, hey, we don't do this. This isn't how we live. This isn't how we act. This needs to change. But it is always with a gentle spirit and love. And it's and it's always with that that goal of what he says, restoration to restore people. And and what we're always aiming at is is trying to cut out um, the cancerous things that poison the church or poison yeah. God's good creation, sure. the, the sin that is undermining those things. But we're always working for the restoration of God's mm-hmm. people, yes. of God's creation, God's image bearers by the way we, we address these things. Yeah, so. no, I, I think that's great because the two words, you both use the words, I, I, th- I thought about our, our meta-narrative, right? Our mm-hmm. meta-narrative that we talk about, right? That God made everything, so there's creation. Creation is living in rejection of God, mm-hmm. and so there's the fall. But then God persists with his love and his kindness and his mercies. And so we have both redemption and restoration. Uh-huh. And I think that is truly the answer. So I, I think there's nothing wrong. I can really appreciate calling out the, the, the sin for the sin and the truthfulness that exists. But Matthew 18, you know, this text that we keep using, beginning in verse 15 and down through verse 20, which kind of begins when a brother sins against you, go to him. Luke 17, verses 1 through 10, kind of the same idea. If a brother sins, go to him and show him his fault. And if he repents, then you receive him and you, re- you restore him. And so what's wrong with the cancel culture of the 80s was it just called it out. Mm. <laughs> it didn't really do anything, uh, appropriate it. It just it labeled it and then walked off. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of going, I just, I, I, I don't, I get what you're calling out. I just, I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's ultimately the plans and the purposes of God. Not helpful. And the same thing that's happening today, right? It's just like, okay, so you're going to call it out, but can we actually have a, a conversation about what does the redemptive and what does the restorative act work? And so it was fitting to me that Rogan and Harris are looking at this from an un-Christian, non-Christian perspective, going, there's no hope. 
Yeah. Like, how do we do this? We just, and that's where you get into a, oh, yeah, well, we'll cancel you. Well, oh, yeah, well, we'll <laughs> just cancel you back. And it's just like, I just don't know what that does that shuts down conversation, that shuts down hos- uh, just, just genuine um, human hospitality and kindness to one another. But if we were to say, and this is why I think Christians can really make a difference by saying we're not going to cancel you. What we really are going to do is we're going to speak truthful things. We're all for accountability, but we believe in um, uh, acknowledgement of sin. We believe in repentance. We believe in redemption, and we believe in restoration. Mm -hmm. And I am somebody who has experienced that from God, Mm -hmm. and I want to be involved in your life. So I can't cancel you. I want to be involved in your life to kind of bring us to this conclusion. And then those who want to engage in that experience it, and those that want to reject it, they just reject it. Yeah. But it, it, it's, it's the posturing of it, um, either buying into it completely, the wholesale idea, left or right, of cancel culture just doesn't seem to be Christ-like. It doesn't seem to be mm-hmm. Jesus' response. Mm-hmm. Think of two biblical ideas that are so important for our faith. Jesus says, the degree to which you are able to forgive others, yeah. so too you will be forgiven. Yeah. I think we don't think about that a lot. We're, if we're hurt, we are, many of us, are far more willing to hold a grudge or to cancel someone, yeah, yeah, even yeah. if we're not going to post it on social media in our hearts. Yeah, okay, that's that. Jesus seems to say that's a da- dangerous game to play. And the other idea for our, us as Christians is the ability to bear each other's burdens, as Paul yeah. says. Well, that's you're going to be in you're going to be in Galatians again on that how one. How do we how do we actually bear each other's burdens when someone does says promote something that we know to be outside of the truths of God's word? Mm-hmm. Um, that that's important, and 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 practically speaking, with a Matthew eighteen in mind, when church discipline happens, with somebody's unfaithful to their wife, the process that we enter into during that is so intimate and so uh, difficult at times. When somebody decides to remove themselves from that process and say, "I'm I don't care what you guys say, you canceled me because you're disciplining me." you remove the ability for restoration redemption to happen. Like we have to stay in it and go through the difficult stuff together. Yeah. I think about Mark Driscoll, who his church leadership wanted him to be restored back to leadership. Yeah. Like we want yeah. you to recognize yeah. the sin, yeah. to repent yeah. of it, yeah. to grow and to mature because we see God's gift in you. But he decided to remove himself from that yeah. and start pointing fingers and remove, build a wall in between that process. I think of people we love who we're yeah. trying to go through discipline well with, but then they remove themselves from that process and say, you canceled me. And, yeah. and they're not leaving any room yeah. for us to restore and to offer the redemption that they have access to. Well, and it's so important that we don't have a because, I mean, another way to describe cancel culture is we give up on you culture. Mm hmm. And I mean, how does a how does a Christian buy into that system? I, I've been coming back to this text over and over and over again um, uh, over the last few years, which is Ephesians four, beginning in verse twenty-five. Um, Therefore, putting away lying, speaking the truth, each to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin, and don't let the sun go down on your anger. Like I don't know how you get involved in cancel culture. Um, number one, we do need to speak the truth, but then number two, we're not going to be angry and we're not going to let the sun go down in our anger. Um, let the thief no longer steal. So a calling to a different way of living, right? So we're calling, we're calling sin, sin, and we're, we're helping people out of that. Instead, he should do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is the good for the building up of someone in need. So it gives grace to those who hear. And then do not grieve the Holy Spirit, for you are sealed by him for the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Like, I think if you just read those verses, verses 25 through the end of the chapter, um, you would just say, yeah, like, I, I, I have to deal with the complexities of sin. I have to deal with the complexities of relationships, but I'm going to do it in a way that models the example of Christ, that models the example of God, um, and therefore I can't, just, I can't just give up on you. I doubt a lot of non-Christians are going to listen to this podcast, but for the Christians that are out there, I hope you can, whenever you run into someone personally who's been canceled, who's not a Christian, and they're realizing like the toxic nature of the relationships they have and the culture that's created on, as long as you're in our ideological camp, we'll be your friend. And when you're not, we're booting you out. Yeah. You're not really our friend. You're ostracized. Yeah. Yeah. What we need to promote in the Christian faith is this thing that Jesus seemed to pray for, a love for each other that doesn't just end when we do something bad or say something yeah. bad, yeah. that persists, a yeah. love that persists yeah. and yeah. a love that pursues and a love that forgives and a love that corrects yeah. and a love that doesn't just call out but desires to bring back. Yeah. Yeah. And that to the world will continue to, I hope, be something that's attractive. Like that should be something that's attractive that we're holding up. But when we do that poorly, in a culture that takes away from our witness and our yeah. ability to show that is something good in the church. Because they like just, we look like them. We look like them. Read Evangelism as Exiles, um, a book on the, on a book written about first Peter um, uh, by Elliot. It really will help you understand how us being like the culture around us takes away from our witness to Christ. Yeah. No. Drew, any final thoughts? All right. That's good. I'm, uh, I'm going to leave it with the, with the Bible quotes there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus always gets it right, and may we be like him.